Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Job. No. Why don't you turn to um, Proverb 2. We'll go to Job also, 26, but we'll just read Proverb 2 right now. Verse 1, thank you, worship team, appreciate you. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out, everybody say if. If you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Most people don't search God's word out like they're looking for hidden treasure. By the end of this message, I believe that you'll be so encouraged that you might just lose your mind. I believe that when you leave this place after I've done preaching with you, that you will be so full that you'll be giggling all the way back to your cars you're going to giggle and laugh all the way home. And you'll wake up even in the night like, oh, God, you're awesome. Come on, say that. Say, oh, God, you're, you're awesome. Come on, say, oh, God. Oh, God, you're, you're awesome. Tell your neighbor, I guess, without touching them and say, say, my God is an awesome God. Tell your other neighbor, look across the aisle and say, my God is an awesome God. Come on, say it so they can hear you. I miss preaching to all of our neighbors down the street. So let's see if we can say it loud enough so they can hear. My God. Amen. You may be seated. Job 26. Now, the basic outline that I'm going to that I use tonight is a message that I have preached before. But I woke up in my glorious nap today and uh, trying to take some time off and enjoying that. I napped at about, I don't know, four o'clock. When I woke up, I heard, my God's an awesome God. And, and I, I don't know if it was an angel telling it to me or it's just coming out of my own spirit. And I thought, yeah, my God's an awesome God. Like, oh, I remember that message. And the Lord's like, that's right. I'm like, oh, I'm working on something else. And I get interrupted at four o'clock to go preach a message called... My God is an awesome God. I am seeking tonight to repristinate the word awesome. Everybody say awesome. awesome. Now, if a wave is awesome, that certainly could not be used for who God is. Because how can a God be awesome and a wave be the same thing? because we've lost the awe. God is truly the only one that's awesome. Job 26. Greetings to our online congregation. Praise God you can be here when you can't be, but if you could be, dude, you should be. Amen all around the world. And if you're not able to be here, we're so glad that, you, that you're able to be online, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, podcast, web stream, and all the other platforms that we use that I can't remember. Job 26, verse 5. The dead are in deep anguish. Those beneath the waters and all that live in them. The realm of the dead is naked before God. Destruction lies uncovered. He spreads out the northern skies. He's talking about us. Northern skies. Okay. You guys in the same text that I am? Job 26. Okay. Job 26. 
Verse 7, he spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. And it's absolutely not flat. It doesn't say that. I'm just telling you it's not flat. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And these, all these things, these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who can understand the thunder of his power? Talking about creation, Job throws this panoramic view, if you will, and says all of these things are a mere whisper. A mere whisper. If they're a mere whisper, I wonder what the full voice of God sounds like. Or looks like fringes of his ways. It's wonderful to have my brother Chris here with us tonight and uh, on fire for God, just so encouraging to me. Chris, you'll remember, and I know mom, you'll remember, and for illustration purposes, we had Persian rugs in our house. We grew up with these Persian rugs. You remember them, right? And I don't, I don't know where they came from, but we had, they were everywhere. I mean, they were old, antique Persian rugs. And some of them were quite beautiful. Faded, sort of worn out over all the years, and I suspect over 100 years old, some of those. But at the fringes, if you looked at the fringes, you would turn it over. I mean, the real Persian rugs, it's horrible abuse, actually. The women, that young girls, they go blind knitting those things. And that still happens today. But if you look at the, all of the threads coming out of the bottom of one of those Persian rugs and you didn't see the rest of it, you'd see all of these colors, the array of colors. And by looking at the fringes of that rug, you'd imagine what the rest of it would look like as it would come together. Creation, Job, talking about fringes, mere fringes of his ways. There's various translations you can read through this but it's amazing to think of creation being the mere fringes of his ways. Job doesn't even state anything about God, really. He's just talking about fringes, a mere whisper of who he is. In Ephesians 1 and 14, it says this, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That, that deposit, that word, that word is arabon in the Greek. It's, there's a number of definitions for it, but it's, it's, it's a, one of the definitions is it's a ring. It's, it, it's a ring, or an, another definition is that it's a, an earnest money. So if, if I was to go and purchase a car or a house, let's talk about a house. I go to get a house and I'm there with the real estate agent and I want to buy the house. Then I have to write a check. If you're going to put an offer in, you know, you got to write a check. You got to put a check down. It's called earnest money. It's a deposit. And I think it's a percentage. I think, I don't know what the, you know, I've only purchased one piece of land in my lifetime I don't know, I think when we purchased it, we had to put $1,000 down. So we wrote a check for $1,000 and they held that check. And, and then when the deal went through, you know, then they cashed it. It was a part of the deal. It was earnest money. So the, the, the check, the $1,000 check, represented the land. 
It's not the land, but it represented the land. So when you read this in Ephesians, this, this word Arabon, he gives us the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit as a deposit. Let me, let me read to you what uh, Simpson J. Kirstemaker said, theologian. God has given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, a first installment. We have the assurance that after the initial deposit, a subsequent installment follows. You see, it's a picture that you have a taste, but the whole thing's coming. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I want to talk to you about creation, the sun. It's beautiful when the sun comes out. I, I'm so glad we didn't get that hammering of a foot of snow, you know, in late April where people slide into deep depressions in Alaska. You're like, oh, my God, help me, set me free, God. You know, you're just ready for springtime and thud, this wet snow falls almost every year, it seems. The sun, definition of the sun. It's a star, a self-illuminous celestial body consisting of massive gas held together by its own gravity in which the energy generated by nuclear reactions at the interior is balanced by the outflow of energy to the surface. Can you repeat that? No. <laughs> the diameter of the sun, our closest star, is 1,392,000 kilometers. The sun is thought to be 4.6 billion years old. The sun is a medium size, our sun, the sun, the source of all heat on the planet. Without the sun, we wouldn't be here. It's a medium sized star known as a yellow dwarf. It's a star in the Milky Way galaxy. The temperature at its core is estimated to be. 15 million degrees Celsius, and the guy that measured it is no longer around. <laughs> the sun's core, hydrogen, is being fused to form helium by nuclear fusion process. The energy created by this process radiates up to the visible boundary. I, I cut and pasted this, just so you know. I didn't get this out of high school biology, and I just recalled it. The energy created by this process radiates up to the visible boundary of the sun and then off into space. It radiates into space in the form of heat and light. Because the sun is so massive, it exerts a powerful gravitational pull on everything in our solar system. It is because of the sun's gravitational pull that the earth orbits the sun in the manner that it does. I say, Pastor, are you, like, are you talking to me right now? Yes. We don't understand the sun, but without it, we wouldn't be alive. We don't understand the sun, but we know this, that one second of the sun's energy is more, listen closely, is more energy that's ever been produced since recorded creation. One second. More energy than all the nuclear power reactors operating or have ever operated. More energy than man has ever created one second of energy from the sun. I mean, that's pretty intense. Say, God made it. Come on, say, God made it. My God is an awesome, an awesome God. The nearest star from the sun is 4.4 light years away. That's 92.5 million miles. Oh, I'm so sorry. The sun is a star. It's our nearest star. My bad. 4.4 light years away to the sun. It's 92.5 million miles from the earth. I mean, if you were to go there, it'd take a really long time. The word tells us in 1 John 1 that God is light. That's why when you think about praying something, he's already there. In fact, he was there because he's already at the end. 
In fact, he's at the beginning and he's the end. He's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the beginning and the, and the end. Let's talk about our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, 150. You guys feel like you're in a science class? I'm going to fix and lose my mind here in a minute, so just hang on. I'll bring you with me. The Milky Way galaxy is 150,000 light years across. A light year, definition of a light year, a light year is the distance that light travels in a vacuum in a year, which is 5.88 trillion miles. The Andromeda galaxy is 2.3 million light years away. Turn to Psalm 147. Praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. That's verse one. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. Man, I really enjoyed worship. It's just so great to be with you again in the house of the Lord. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. Verse two. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the, the exiles to Israel. Karen said, amen. He heals the brokenhearted. Well, we just prayed that. We prayed that this morning, that the exiles would return, that Aliyah would return. Like, come on. Yes, I'm talking to you, Karen. I'm talking to you, lover of Israel. That's you, isn't it? Okay. Amen. He builds up, the, he binds up their wounds, pardon me. Verse four, he determines the number of their stars and he calls them each by name. The scriptures say that, that he knows all the stars by name. What about all the missing stars, Pastor? Scientists don't know where they are. He knows nothing with him is missing. He knows every hair on your head and the lack thereof. And the lack thereof. He knows all the stars and he knows them by name. Can you say amen? amen? Wow. How many stars are there, Pastor? I don't know, but I Googled it, and so I'll read that to you also. <laughs> How many stars are there? We must limit the discussion to what we can observe. Now, we can observe a lot more because of the Hubble telescope and technology that's, getting, that's growing at an incredible rate, as was prophesied by Daniel, the prophet in the Old Testament. Astronomers estimate that the observable universe has more than 100 billion galaxies. 100 billion galaxies. We're in one. There is 100 billion. Is anybody, is there anybody out there? Are you guys like, <laughs> 100 billion, I didn't say 100 million. 100 you're in one. We're in one of those. 100 billion more. Our own Milky Way galaxy is home to 300 billion stars. But it's not representative of galaxies in general. There are 10 million stars in space. 10, sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm not used to these gigantic numbers. 10 million trillion, Minister Becky, 10 million trillion. Go ahead, tell your neighbors, say 10 million trillion. Yeah, 10 million trillion stars. And, and let, me, let me just define that by, I got this illustration off of some science website. If each person on the planet was given and divided all the stars to each person on the planet Earth currently, currently, each person would receive two trillion stars a piece. Each. Whoa. What do you think about that? I'll tell you what I think. I think that my God is an awesome God. Come on, say it like you mean it. My God is awesome. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Let's talk about water. Covers 71%. I didn't have to look at the notes of this one. I remember this. 71% of the earth is covered in water. I remember more. At an average depth, my beloved brother Chris, of 16,000 feet. 
So if you step in and you're, you're out at Malibu Point and you step in and it's up to your ankles, that would be part of the average. 16,000 feet average. They don't even know what's down there. No, they, they don't know what's down there. They haven't even come close to exploring all of the depths of the sea. Wow. They're still exploring it. Thunder. An average thunderstorm. Now, my, uh, my son and uh, his professor, his professor is so fine. <laughs> my wife. Some of you guys were praying for the rapture because you became a homeschooler, homeschool parent, teacher, professor. Oh, God, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. But my wife teaching my son and uh, I'm learning about thunder and lightning and weather patterns, thunder. An average thunderstorm can create 20 kilotons of energy. Comparable to? a 20-kiloton nuclear warhead. Average thunderstorm. Not a big thunderstorm, an average one. A big storm can produce 100 times that much energy. It is said of Voltaire, who is arguably one of the most famous atheists in all of history. Voltaire. I think it's funny that he said this in a thunder and lightning storm. Voltaire said, after a giant rumbling of thunder and lightning, he said, you know, there, 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 maybe there is a God. <laughs> it's true. One bolt of lightning can satisfy the electrical needs of 100 people. One bolt of, one bolt of lightning can satisfy the electrical needs of 100 people for four years. You say, Whoa thunder, a mere whisper of his ways. You know why? Because my God is an awesome God. We celebrate God's significance and we hardly know anything about him. Although we have the word that we can learn and grow. We celebrate God's significance, but we don't understand our own in relation to all that he's done. We celebrate God's significance and how awesome he is. And yet we don't understand how significant you are and you and you, especially you, Jerry. Significant. And you and you and you. We just think we're just, you know, just something walking the earth. No, no. You're the apple of his eye. You're the object of his affection. <laughs> the God who made the earth and the sea and everything in it, who made the stars and the moon. What is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that you would care for him? You set him a little below the angels, yet you've crowned him with glory and honor. You are made in God's image. The awesome God has made you. Spirit, soul, and body. The awesome God has made me. Oh, the awesome God, we, 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 he just boggles my mind to look at creation and he made it all and it's not even him, it's a fringe. It's a mere whip, thunder, 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 <laughs> a mere whisper of his ways. Fringes, tornadoes, floods, I mean, we can go on. They call them acts of God. They don't know what else to call them. I mean, they're not acquainted with the devil, so he's got them duped. You say, well, what does all that mean? Well, if you're the apple of his eye, you're the object of his affection. This God who made the stars and the sea and the land, and he made you and me. Think about what he wants to do to you or for you, through you. 
Turn to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. They didn't even believe it was flat. My God, how dumb can you be and breathe? Flat earth. Right there. (laughs) That's funny. That was not in my notes. And his people are like grasshoppers. (laughs) He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. Verse 23, Isaiah 40 and 23. He brings princes to naught. He reduces rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner have they planned, no sooner have they sown, no sooner do they take root into the ground that he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom, says the Lord, will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? who brought out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. By his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, oh, Karen, oh, Jacob, oh, Susan, oh, Johnny, oh, Bobby, oh, Bubba, Jethro? Why do you? I added that. The emphasis was mine. Verse 27. Why do you complain, oh, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and stumble and weary, but young men will even stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. The creator of the ends of the earth knows your name. He knows when you rise up. He knows when you sit down. He knows your frame. He knows what you can handle. He is not the former creator. He still creates. He still releases power. He still releases strength to those who hope and those who call on him. My God is an awesome said my God. Yes, he is. Raise your hands to heaven and say hallelujah. If he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it in some other place, he can do it. It's got over near my brother because something got on me up over here. If he did it for you before, he can do it again. If he did it for Christina, he can do it for you. God is not a respecter of persons. He still rolls away the stone. He still parts the Red Sea. He still raises the dead. He still heals the sick. He still, oh, yes. Ah! Come on, give him praise in the house of God tonight. I'm so glad I didn't run off the eagle's nest when I was preaching up there. I got a little room to move right now. So what does that have to do with me? Everything. It has everything to do with you. God loves you. So we'll... I don't really understand that. Okay. I'm beginning to understand too. I don't fully understand that. I'd have chosen somebody else. But God chooses the likes of us. 
It takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Does anybody know what a Google is? G, pay attention, I didn't say Google, I said Google. G-O-O-G-O-L. Anybody know what that is? It is a word given for a number, and I'll read it to you. It's a large number. It's 10 to the 100th power. That is the digit one followed by 100 zeros in decimal representation. The term was coined in 1920 by a nine-year-old, Mil Wil uh, Milton, William, where is it? Milton, Milton Serrata, who lived from 1911 to 1981. He's a nephew of American mathematician Edward Kasner. Kasner popularized the concept in his book, Mathematics and the Imagination, 1940. I haven't read that. Have any of you read that? I, I haven't got, gone, gotten to that just yet. Google is the same order of magnitude. I also cut and pasted this. As a factorial of 70. 70. Being approximately 1.198 Google or 10 to the power of 100.0784. If you didn't follow that, neither did I. <laughs> it has no particular significance in mathematics. It's useful when comparing it, comparing with other incredibly large numbers, such as a number of subatomic particles in the visible universe. <laughs> wow. Wow. The English name, the, the name, the English name would be. Okay, Pastor Karen, come here. I have a hard enough time with genealogies, and it's an act of God that I get through them. So can you? Oh, yeah, no, just that right there. So if you were to, if you were to, you know, like 100, that's an English representation of what the number 100 is. This is the English. That's how you say it. Yeah. Uh, duo trig... No, no, 10. You got to say 10. Oh, I didn't see that part. 10 duotrigantillion. There you go. That's the name of the number. Very good. <laughs> Thanks, babe. You're awesome. <laughs> it is said that if you were to write it down on paper, given the amount of paper that's in the world right now, in other words, you can continue to produce. <laughs> Paul's back there. That's right. I know about that number. That's right. Paul. God bless you, Paul. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you were to write that number down on paper and use all the paper in all the world that, could, that's, that exists right now, there's not enough paper to write the number down. Unless maybe if you wrote really small. So in a, in a meeting in Northern California, this is where the, this term came up. In a meeting in Northern California, a young man got touched by the power of God and he was laid out on the carpet, which happens if you're impacted by a mere whisper of the awesome God. You might find yourself... Oh, that'll never happen to me. You're probably right. You're right on every occasion, of course. This young man out on the carpet got touched by the Lord. He's weeping, crying. He sat straight up and said, The Lord says, I love you. Oh, Google to the 10th power. And he went back down. And everybody's like, what was that? The intercessor started binding demon power. People are freaked out. They had to go back. Like, what did he say, actually? And it was recorded. So they went, Google to the 10th power, and they looked it up, and they found this number. Now, this number to the 10th power? My God. 
is an awesome. I've shared this before, but I just love it. A basketball in my hands is, you could ask my son. It's, I'm doing better. I'm improving my shot, but I throw bricks mostly. How many of you know what a brick is? Okay, that's when you miss. So I miss a lot. Basketball is my least favorite sport. I'm good at hitting things. I'm not so good at shooting basketballs. I'm improving. Basketball in my hands is, you know, a little bit of fun until I get bored and then I, you know, move on. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hands is a very different thing. Just depends on whose hand the basketball is in. You think about baseball, I don't know who's baseball just took a took a beating because of COVID-19, but you think about a great baseball player. I know some people that are decent at baseball, batting, hitting. When you think about these amazing baseball players, my brother mentioned Hank Aaron. I remember when he broke Babe Ruth's record. I was a kid. I don't know what year it was. My brother thought it was such an important moment that he went to the store and got a newspaper, the front page newspaper, and went and put it in his special stuff, which I enjoyed thoroughly looking through when you weren't home. <laughs> That's under the blood, though. It's under the blood. Amen. He's my older brother. Baseball bat and in my hand, or maybe your hand, that's no Hank Aaron. That's no Mark McGuire. That's no, I mean, wow. Just depends on whose hand it's in. Golf club in my hand, I do okay. If I'm really anointed, I'm going to maybe get under 100, maybe. But if, I God's, if God's like he puts me on like, like a glove, then I I'll, I'll might break 100. Uh, I don't know if you all play golf, but. Well, Tiger Woods, however, baseball, uh, a golf club in his hands, PGA tournaments and Nike, you know, I mean, on and on and on. A rock in my hands is, is not much. A rock in David's hands killed Goliath. It just depends on whose hand it's in. Your hand, your life, you might not think it's much, but you put your Hand in the hand of the man who healed the water. Put your hand in the hand from Galilee. <laughs> I wish I'd have Toby come and sing that for us to help me out. We've been doing some work around my house, and uh, I'm very grateful that I haven't smashed my finger because when I'm working, well, I'm not working with nails and hammers, so that's probably why that's the case. When I'm working with nails and hammers, I have usually whack a thumb, you know, until I start getting the guidance of my 20-ounce hammer working, you know. And we use nail guns now. Come on, somebody give them praise for nail guns. Hey! Nail guns are an amazing invention. If you think about nails in your hands, not a big deal. Nails in the hands of Jesus is salvation for you and me and all who believe. It just depends on whose hands it's in. Come on, someone say, my God's an awesome God. Spitting mud is a pair of, pair of eyeballs for, for a blind man. Two fish and five loaves feeds 5,000. I'm telling you that God can do anything. He made all of creation and you are the significant object of his affection and so oftentimes why we ponder his significance we lose our significance altogether we don't really understand how important we are to the master plan of salvation in the earth we don't understand how much he loves us and how he's got this this awesome plan is to lead us and guide us and direct us and to pour out his spirit upon us which is which is only like a thousand dollar bill if i could say it that way it's only an arabon just a, a down payment. It's not even the whole thing. One day, he's going to roll up time like a scroll and it'll be all over. And the life that you're living now is so very, very important. The decisions that you make and the way that you live. God is an awesome God. Turn to Genesis. 
I've shared this before. When I first discovered it years ago, 20-something years ago, I went home overwhelmed at the power of God's word and, and how awesome, how awesome God is. Genesis chapter five. Rabbis teach and I ascribe to three different ways, or pardon me, four different levels of understanding God's word. One, reading it for, reading the Bible for pleasure. I have a, a Bible app. I listen to it most mornings. And it just, I just, I'm making my coffee. I'm listening to it. It's just, I'm just listening to it. I'm not studying it. I'm listening to it for pleasure. I'm listening to the story. I'm not, sometimes I get tremendous revelation out of those times, but mostly I'm just reading it for pleasure. Then there's reading it to get allegory out of it. How many of you know what an allegory is? Reading to get deeper meaning. Then there's, then there's reading and comparing scripture with scripture to get even deeper, deeper and deeper than that. And by the way, the, the Bible is infinitely deep. And if you've studied it all your life, I mean, the apostle Paul, when he's dying, he says, send John Mark and tell him to bring the scrolls. He's going to die. So he's an old man, he's going to die. And he asks for the scrolls. Why would he ask for the scrolls? Because God's word is so multifaceted and so infinitely deep. It's just absolutely amazing. So even if you've read the book of Ephesians once, twice, 50 times, and you go back to study it again, he will again blow your mind and give you revelation if you'll be open to it. But most people don't back to Proverbs 2. Most people don't really search out the scripture to find the treasure. If I was to tell you, in my backyard right now is, or let's say in your own backyard, in each of your backyard, if you had a backyard, is a trunk of gold bricks, 120 gold bricks in a case, sealed. You just have to find it. Here's your shovel. It's guaranteed it's there though. In other words, it is there. At what depth? I don't know, but it is there. How many of you would systematically then develop your own excavation company? And by the way, I'd be trading my shovel in for an excavator. And I'd get a, a metal detector or a, some, a sonogram thing or something. I'd do something to try to save myself some time. But you better believe I'm going to look for that. Why? So I can pay off our whole building in one foul swoop. Can you say amen? Most people don't read the word like that. The fourth way, first way, reading the Bible for pleasure. The second way is reading it for allegory out of it. The third way is reading the Bible, comparing scripture with scripture to get deeper meaning. The fourth way is what's called sod. S-O-D in our English letters and language. It's reading the word to understand mystery and receive revelation. He said, there is no more revelation. It's closed. It's a closed book. There's no more revelation. God will, it is a closed book. You can't add anything to it. You can't take anything away. But when you were a child, you thought as a child, and now that you grow up, you think differently, you understand. Some, some of you have been limited by the understanding and that you now have through secular humanism to limit the power of God because you rationalize it away, and you think through the scientific method, and it doesn't make sense, and so you just dismiss that as impossible. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. And God will release revelation to you if you'll position yourself to receive from him and dig for it, Proverbs 2, like a man looking for buried treasure. Most people don't. They have, most people, they have challenges or problems and they're like, well, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart. It's black, deceitfully wicked, above all else. You have to position yourself. If you really want to get revelation, you have to position yourself for it. So Genesis chapter 5, some of you know where I'm going. All right. I want you, if you have a pen, to underline these names as we move along. 
I'm going to look quickly at 10 generations. Why are you doing this? Because I want to show you that our God is an awesome God. Can we have some awesome God music? Just keys, whatever. You don't have to, you don't have to play that one. Just play anything. Just play the revelatory stuff you've been playing at home. Amen. Look at verse three. When, are you guys in the Bible? Okay. What's his name? When Adam, what's his name? Adam, all right. This is genealogy. When Adam, 130 years, okay. He named him Seth. That's the next name I want you to underline, Seth. All right. After Seth was born, Adam lived a long time. Wow. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of? Underline it. Enosh. Underline it. He also lived a really long time. Verse 9, Enosh lived 90 years. He became the father of? Kenanen. Underline it. Verse 12. Kenan lived 70 years. He became the father of Mahalalal. Go ahead, try it. Ready? Said Mahalalal. You don't have to stick your tongue out just a little. Mahalalal. Go ahead, try it. Ready? Said go. It's very good. Now you got to shake your head a little bit, and make it, you know, feel it, feel it a little bit, feel it. You ready? And he became the father of Mahalalal. All right, very good. You guys are doing great. Verse 14, uh -huh. verse 15. Mahalalal. Everybody say it. When Mahalalal. You guys, you guys don't, come on, don't go to sleep on me. I know we talked about science. Come on, you ready? When Mahalalal. It's almost there. Some of you at home, you're not moving your mouths at all. <laughs> verse 15. When Mahalalal had lived 65 years, he became the father of? Jared. Underline it. What's his name? Jared. Jared? Jared? Love you, bro. <laughs> Mahalalo? There's no Mahalalos here. Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> okay, verse 16. <laughs> verse 18. When Jared, not, not you, it's, it's a, it got a long time ago. He was really old also. When he lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. All right. How many of you remember Enoch? All right. Uh-huh, uh -huh. 21. When Enoch lived 56, are you underlining? Did you underline Enoch? Listen, this always happens. People think I'm joking when I tell you to underline it. And then later, they're like, can you send me what you said? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> Take notes. I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to, it's going to blow your ever-loving mind. <laughs> we lost the camera person right there. I said, ever love in mind. It's going to blow your ever love in mind. I mean, I know where he's going. No, you don't. Unless you do, of course, because then you too have experienced sod. Okay. Verse 21. Enoch, 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Woo! Methuselah. Go down to verse 25. Methuselah lived 85 years. He became the father of Lamech. Verse 28, when Lamech lived 182 years, he had a son. What does it say? Right. What's his name? Noah. You're also supposed to underline that. Noah. You have my slides ready. Very good. Who knows what Adam means? That's your cue for the slide. Man. So what's the first name you underlined? Okay, and, and let's go to, uh, actually, can you start with Noah? Let's go backwards. Can you figure that out? Wave wildly. Very good. Okay, ready? Let's go with Noah. What, put Noah up. Noah means? Very good. Rest or comfort. Lamech? 
the despairing. Listen, if you, you know what my name means? My name's Daniel. Thanks, Mom. I love my name. It also means God is my judge. It's a wonderful reminder. God is my judge. What's your name? God is my judge. What's yours? Karen's means pure one. Christopher. Brian Christopher. God is my strength. Christopher. Beautiful name. Lamech. Lightbringer. That's right. Lamech means the despair. Next one going backwards in the 10. Methuselah. His death shall bring. That's what Methuselah means. What's it mean? Pay attention. Next. Enoch means teaching. Next. Jared. I'm going to call you that from now on. Hey, shall come. Shall come down. Hey, bro. That's brother shall come down. It almost sounds like tongues. Shall come down, shall come down, shall come down. All right. Jared means shall come down. Next. Oh, that was so lame. I taught you guys. That's how you have to do it. Come on. You ready? Come on. Have fun in church. Ready? Mahalalel means the blessed God. That's what that means. All right. Next. Kennedy means sorrow. You guys are getting it. You might want to write these next to the names. Okay. Next. Enosh means mortal. Next. Seth means appointed. Next. Adam means man. If you missed it, we're going back through, but we're going to move quickly. Adam means man. Let's read the next one. Seth appointed. Next. Enosh, mortal. Next. Canaan and sorrow. Next. The blessed God. Next. Shall come down. Next. Teaching. Next. His death shall bring. Next. It actually, it's his, his death shall bring. His death shall initiate is another way to say that. Mith- mo- wait. I didn't get it. Mahalo. Methuselah. You guys are, it starts with an M. Amen. Methuselah means his death shall bring, his death shall initiate. Next. You were doing good. I messed up. Lamech equals the despairing. Next. Noah means rest. Wait. In the very beginning of God's word is encapsulated revelation talking about the great and awesome God and how he's going to bring salvation to the whole earth. Put the sentence up now. And it reads, man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing Rest is talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the living God. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking right there in Genesis chapter 5. My God is an awesome. Stand up on your feet and raise your hands to the heavens and say it. My God is an awesome God. Hidden from the casual observers. But clearly displaying the truth of God's word. The gospel, right in the Old Testament. Wow. The Lord loves you. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. He's got this awesome plan for your life, a divine assignment for you, a divine assignment for me. And if you've come into this house or you're here online, you're listening in the future at a later date. I want you to understand that my God is an awesome God. So if our God's an awesome God, that can't be an awesome bike ride, an awesome mountain, an awesome wave. Because there's only one who's awesome, altogether lovely, beautiful for situation. There's no one like our God. There's no one like him. And in time, he's placed you and he's placed me to fulfill his great plan. The first introductory step to the knowledge of God. You know what the introductory step? Introductory is that in lieu of that, you ought to give your life to Christ. And that is an introduction. It's intro. It's not 
It's not 201, 301, it's 101. It's salvation. And after that, he will mold you and he will make you and he will fashion you and use you as an instrument cleansed from the former things, now used for noble purposes. You've come into this house and you're broken. You've come into this house in need. You've come into this house and you and you, you need healing, you need help. You've come to the right place. Essential business. We defined essential business. The church is the very definition of essential because you can have all the food in the world and split hell wide open. You can get your car fixed. You can try to fix up your body, and I'm so thankful for I'm so thankful for my car, my truck. I'm so thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for food. Come on, somebody. I'm especially thankful for espresso. <laughs> Coffee shops were essential, weren't they? No, that's right. But the devil tried to lie to those in the America to say that the that the church is not essential. I'm thankful for our governor that said it is. But the truth is, you don't realize how essential you are. We need you. Oh, and keep in mind that if you don't respond, God will raise somebody else up. God wants you. He's got an amazing plan for you. Don't you lift your hands. Service is almost concluded. The God who made all of creation calls your name tonight. He beckons you by his Holy Spirit and says, come away with me, my beloved. Come away with me. Draw near to me, James. And I will draw near to you. Jeremiah 33, 3, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Mere fringes of his ways. Romans 1 talks about creation, that all men are without excuse when they look at creation. Won't you receive his introductory offer in giving your life to Jesus? But by all means, don't stop there. For no eye has seen, no is ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But he reveals them by his spirit. COVID-19 is over. The truth is, I said it was over at Passover because it just fit. his presence and his power is, I just believe there's no Clovis, uh, COVID. Rise up a notch. You know what came out of the dark ages? My mother gave me a love for the Renaissance. You know the Renaissance came out of the dark ages, the Black Plague, which also came from China. Rats and fleas traveled all over the world on ships in the Black Plague. We, we, were, we were very concerned that this would be a black plague. I'm not sure how many people died in the black plague. 70 million to 200 million people killed. 70 million. I didn't say, I didn't say 70,000. I said 70 million to 200 million. They don't know. The black plague. And out of that came the reformation of the 1500s. An awakening came. I believe we're headed for another great awakening. Come on, just talk to him. Come on, just talk to him all across this place, those online. Come on, just talk to the awesome God. Come on, talk to him tonight. Oh, God, how great. How awesome are your ways? You know all the stars? None of them are missing. You know my name. You called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. You've cleansed us and washed us. Oh, if you haven't received Jesus, do it now. I'm not talking about becoming some religious person. God knows we don't need any more of that bunk. That's, that's, that's bunk. Well, you just need, not, you just need to fall in love with God. I and mean, he has a prescribed way of living for him.
which is called the Word. If you love God, you'll obey His Word. Don't let anybody talk you out of that. If you love God and live however you want to, not true. That's the sloppy, agape, neo-Calvinist hyper-grace movement, which is rampant all over America. Well, you can just do whatever you want and say you love God. That's not what the Word says, man. So you love God, you'll obey His Word. But don't obey it like a bunch of rules. You, you don't need a rule book, you need a Savior. But thank God he's given, us, he's given us ways to go deep, to understand him at least a little bit, to grow, to become like him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Those online, those here in the parking lot, 16, 10 a.m. on the web stream. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time? Make a recommitment to him, perhaps. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer right out loud. And we're all going to pray it with you. Repeat after me, won't you? A simple way of making a declaration of your faith in the Son of God that Jesus died and rose again for you. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Would you lift your hands, lift your heart to the Lord? I'll take the whole worship team, please. Hallelujah. Come on, just talk to him. Just a couple more moments and service is over. Come on, just talk to him. Talk to him, the awesome God. He loves you. We're his, the only ones made in his image. My God's an awesome God, yes. anymore. You don't have to be bruised anymore. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be bound anymore. He came and gave the despairing rest. His death initiates. The teaching God comes out. My, my goodness. My God. It's the gospel. It's the gospel man has appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching his death brings or initiates the despairing rest. His death brought us rest because he died in our place and rose again from the grave. Death couldn't keep him. Where, O oh, death, is thy sting? He took and led captivity captive. He plundered hell. He made a way for you and me. He came and he defeated hell, death, and the grave. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 1, First uh, uh, John 1.10, I think, uh, something like that. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's the gospel in one verse, but I have come. Is it John 10? What is it? John 10. John 10, not First John. John 10. But I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Devil comes to steal, get you discouraged, get you to do drugs, get you all jacked up in sex, get you tweaked, messed up, hurting, wounded, and sick. But the blessed God came down teaching and his death and his resurrection brings those who are despairing of all of those things life. Real life is only found in Jesus. Put your hands together for God. She's muted.
He's the awesome God from the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the healer. He's a deliverer. He's a provider. He's a sun and shield. He's a rock of our salvation. He's a chief shepherd and the bishop of our souls. There's no one like our God. No one can compare to him. He's not the former creator. He's creating now. He gave my mother a new, a new, new set of kidneys years ago. He can give you new kidneys. He can heal your broken knee, broken heart. He can heal your broken life, broken marriage. He's God. He's God. I said he's God. He's on the throne. He's on the throne. And he's an ever-present help to those in trouble. And like Hebrews says, we can boldly come before his throne of grace and find help in time of need because we have a high priest that passed through the heavens. Come on, who's redeemed us. He's washed us. He made a way out of no way. He brought rest to the despairing. He's a, he, come on, somebody, yeah. Hallelujah, I hope you got something from God. Let me bless you, Father, thank you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to us, God. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't use the word awesome like you did before because there's only one. My God. Say it again nice and loud. One, two, three. My God. One more time, put your heads together for the awesome God. Lord bless you. Be a part of everything that's happening. We're full tilt back at it. Come on, let's reach the lost at any cost. Let's set the place on fire. Let's have revival. Come on, come on, it's going to be amazing. God bless you, we love you. We'll see you on the weekend, if not sooner. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.